I don't think so. I may be too round, but. <laughs> okay. My name is Sean. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Um, Thank you for coming. Okay. Well, it's it was a little bit of a trip, but um, I just, uh, coming up from Mexico, it was a, a long trip, but it was well worth it. Uh, yesterday I got here and uh, met with some lovely people, Don and uh, Barbara, were great hosts last night, playing games and all those things, keeping up me up till the wee hours of the night. I didn't know there were such party animals over there. But, but uh, it's really neat because you guys have been, we've known you guys for, I'm trying to think back like 13 years ago. You guys did a mission trip down to our campus when we were just a little fledgling, know-nothing, boy, do we need lots of help uh, group. But you guys have been supporting us and helping us. Uh, yesterday, like I said, I came up. And you know, when we were here in August, Pastor Sam said, I want you guys to have fellowship with each other and do it outside of the church. And you know, it was really awesome because that's what I was invited yesterday to a little picnic with your church family. And it was very enjoyable. Nice little walk around looking at things. And it was very, very cool to see you guys are doing what Sam asked, and that's to have fellowship together. Um, but it's really awesome for, for Karen and I. Karen couldn't make it here because she's got to hold down the fort while I'm up here. But uh, it's really awesome to see how God is working in Mexico. His hand is upon it. And we see the church growing. We have 38 students on campus. We have 18 staff that live on campus. And it's just, it's just awesome to see how God is working in the Mexicans and the Americans that have come. Uh, right now, the school is on a mission trip to Los Mochis. And they are, uh, right now, they traveled 12 hours to get there on two vans driven down there. I don't know how the trip went, but it's really been a, a blessing. Usually I go with them, but this time I decided to come up here. And, and uh, Sam didn't really give me a choice to teaching or not, but uh, it was it was my pleasure to be here. Um, so with that, I'm just, I really am pleased to be here. You guys are awesome. We love you guys, and we want to continue our fellowship with you guys. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father God, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. I pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit would guide me in my words and help me to uh, point to you, point to Jesus. And I just lift that up to you, Lord. We give you this day. We give you our lives. We ask you to, everything you be done to glorify and honor you. And I just pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, so Sam told me, he says, I said, what do you want me to teach on? And he goes, you got to teach on Jesus. I said, oh, great. Okay, thanks. That's, that gives me a whole thing, you know. So then I called Sean up and I said, you know, I'm thinking about teaching on John 15, you know, I am the vine. Oh, somebody just taught on that a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay, I'll try something new. But you know, I was going through and I was looking on the internet and something that really surprised me, I went to a survey by Barna Group and they said that 55% of the American people believe that Jesus 
was a created being, that he wasn't really fully God. And so that just struck me. I said, okay, 55%. That's an amazing number. But people do not know who Jesus is and how he is our savior. So I, I'm going to talk on the seven I am's where Jesus in the book of John says that I am. So with that, who is this Jesus? Jesus is God. He's fully man and fully uh, God. Who am I? I'm fully human. All the faults, all the, all the things that are there. But in Exodus 3, 14, when Moses was standing before the bush, and he asked, who do I tell them you are? And he says, I am who I am. God was identifying himself as the one who is eternally self-existent, having no beginning nor ending. God is timeless, everlasting, and forever. I am that I am statement emphasizes his deity, his eternality. In Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Thou art my God. There's only one God. There's so many other religions out there that think that there's more than a one God. There's so many people out there that think there's so many different ways to get to heaven. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But in Revelation 22, 13, let's just go there right now. Revelation, that's in the New Testament. It's the last book. Uh, when I get there, I will. It is 22.13. says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, this is Jesus himself speaking to John that it is Jesus. It is the Lord. I am is the statement that is identifying the name of God, the creator of all. Many, many times throughout the Old and New Testament, we see the Lord use I am to explain who exactly he is. The book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 60, verse 16, the end part of it states, I am the Lord, I mean, I, the Lord, am the sa thy Savior and thy Redeemer. The book of Malachi, or the Italians would say Malachi, is uh, 316a explains, For I am the Lord and I do not change. He doesn't change. He has always been there and been the way we, we should know him. We find the I am statements in the books of Genesis, Psalm, Ezekiel, and other books of the Bible, including these words from Revelations chapter 1 verse 17 and 18, which again, this is Jesus speaking. Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the one that liveth and was, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus is saying to, to each and every one of us, I died, but I'm alive, and I'm alive forever. Because he's conquered the grave, and he has conquered death. So in the Gospel of John, we have the I am statements. Now, one of the weird thing is, well, not weird thing, but one of the things that through these I am statements, the Jewish people understood what he was saying. 
when he said, I am. They understood that he was declaring himself to be God or equal to God. And so they would pick up rocks to throw at him and stone him and kill him. And he'd have to slink away or get away because it was not his time to die. Because one of the things about Jesus was there were 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And he fulfilled each and every one of them. He was going to be hung on a cross or a tree, as it says. He was going to be crucified. He was going to die a horrible death. He was going to be pierced in the side. He was going to be nailed to the cross. It's all prophesied there. He'd come from Bethlehem. He'd go to Egypt. All of these things were prophesied. And Jesus fulfilled each and every one of them. Because, and what are the possibilities of doing that? Impossible. Only by God. He's the only one that could do it. So let's go to John chapter 6. Verse 35, John 6, 35. It says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus is telling, him, telling the people that he is the bread of life. <clears throat> he is the everlasting. He was, he was the one that would supply all of their needs because we need, we need substance. We need food. But he's talking here spiritually. Jesus explains that whoever believes in him shall have salvation. And this is, they will never have spiritual hunger or spiritual thirst. <clears throat> Unlike the physical manna that, that Moses asked for and was given by God, this bread is symbolic of Jesus Christ's broken body. And the life spoken in this verse is a spiritual, not physical. Note that I want you to remember when you guys take communion, you are talking and remembering what Jesus did on the cross, how he was broken for us, how he was killed for us and buried for us. Jesus dying on the cross and rising again gives us that final sacrifice that's needed for atonement for all mankind. Now I want you to I want to tell you a little something. My my brother and sister, they are um, they dig into this ancestry thing. And they my brother has gone all the way back and he says we are related to Joseph of Arimathea. Now he's the one that gave the, the tomb away, right? And you know we found out that the family was very very angry with Joseph because he gave the tomb away. And you know what Joseph said? Well, he only needed it for the weekend. Okay, I'm not really related to him, but it goes with the story. <laughs> but I mean, that's what Jesus did. He rose from the dead after three days of being in the, in the tomb. And he was the bread of life. He is the one that we can remember what he did for us. You know, when you think about Jesus and what he did for us, it's amazing. You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, we were taught that we would die for our brothers on the battlefield. It was about giving your life for others. And that's what Jesus did. He gave his life for us, that each and every one of us could have 
that ultimate prize, which is eternal salvation Amen. with him. And he is the bread of life. All right, let's go to uh, John 8, 12. We're going to be in the book of John for a little while. 8, 12, because these are the I am statements. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying again, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light, uh, light of life. Without sunlight, our world would, and its people would die. Without the Son of God, we are already dead spiritually. Walking in spiritual darkness, fumbling around in the dark. I don't know if you've ever woken up in the, in the night and it's pitch black where you can't even see that your hand in front of your face. And tried to walk and not stumble on something. And then not cursing after you stumble on it. But that's another issue. <laughs> but it's, it's the darkness that he brings that light so that we can see where we're going and what we're doing. Um, in Ephesians 2.2 2 and 4.17 and 18, we, we need to walk with spiritual wisdom. We need to have a newness of life in Romans 6.4 and without the truth. But if we walk in the light of Jesus, we will attempt to be obedient to the Lord and be secure in eternal salvation. We're going to mess up. We are human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. But you know what the neat thing is? God's already forgotten and forgiven them. As long as we turn back, acknowledge that we've failed, acknowledge that we we need Him through all things. We need to be obedient to Him, and be and knowing knowing that we are secure in our salvation. Without that light, we will just flounder around in the darkness for thirty nine years. I floundered around in the darkness. It wasn't until I was 39 years old when I saw that I needed Jesus and I got saved and I became a child of God. And, you know, when I'm at the Bible college, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome to see these young kids, 17, 18, 19 years old, and they're seeking the Lord earnestly. And I kind of feel sad because I lost all of those years. So I have to make up for it now. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but it's about doing what God wants you to do and, and seeking him in all things. Um, you know, it's a light that is so awesome that you can see what's going on. And when you stumble, you can see what, what it is that stumbled you. John... 10.9. This is the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. In this verse right here, he's talking about he is the door. He is the one that allows us to enter. If you enter by any other way, you're a thief and you're a cheat. You'll crawl over the wall. You'll try to sneak in the back door. And that's what a lot of people think. I'm a good person. I'm a real good person. I, I don't need Jesus because I'm a good person. But we do. There's only one way, and that's salvation through Jesus Christ. Don't deceive yourself to think that just because you do good, 
today that that's it. You need to rely upon Jesus every day. Be obedient to him and understand that he is the only way we can go. Because if we don't understand that, we're lost. We are in the darkness. And we are looking to the good shepherd. For Father God, that, that's, that truly is what our next step is, is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And that's in 10, 11. John 10, 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's already done that. He's given his life for the sheep. And that's where we need to be. We need to be good sheep. We need to follow him. You know, he calls our name and we can hear him and we know him and we can follow him. And we can work towards being more like him. We're not going to be exactly like him because there's only one perfect person in this world. And that was Jesus Christ. And you know what? We killed him. We put him on the cross because he was perfect. You ever met that person that is can't do any wrong, that's just perfect? Kind of hate them, don't you? They say, oh, come on. You know? Or they think they, they know it all, you know? And it's like, oh, come on. But Jesus is the one that knows it all. He is the one that knows how to do it. And that's where we need to shape our life and we need to be more like him so we can listen to him. Once we join his flock, be born again believers, and we've walked into his sheepfold, we'll know his voice and he knows ours. And nothing can steal him, steal us from him. And John 10, 27 through 30, it says, 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. We know that Jesus is God. This is the statement that he said where they wanted to pick up those rocks and stone him. Because he was blaspheming that he was equal to God the Father. But he's equal. We have to understand that he, underst he understood what he was doing and why he was doing it. He knew that he was going to die. He knew he was going to be killed. But he continued on. I don't know about you guys, but I probably would have said, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go hide. But no, Jesus kept plowing on and going towards Jerusalem, going towards the cross. I don't know if you, you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ. It's a brutal movie and it's hard to watch without, without crying or it's hard to watch just the suffering that Christ went through, which we know was even worse than what the movie could even portray. But what really got me about that movie is when they showed him being put on the cross. He crawls onto the cross. They didn't put him on the cross. In the movie, they show him crawling onto the cross, knowing that that's what he was going to do. And that's how his life was. It was he was always going towards the cross. And I love that part of it because he knew he had to do this for us or we would not be saved. We'd be all in darkness. And we wouldn't understand that he was the good shepherd. Christ dying for us makes us redeemed and forgiven. We all sin. We all have our faults. But God sees through. 
his son's sacrifice and we are forgiven. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't sin because we do. But he asks us to repent and sin no more. Which means we are truly seeking him and asking him to guide us. You know, it's so awesome to see these guys in Mexico. The Americans and the Mexicans working together, seeking what God wants and struggling. I mean, they, they struggle. Homework's tough. It's not easy living out in the campus where there's nothing around and you can't get out. But, you know, I sometimes call them monks and, and nuns, you know. You guys are all, you're all in a monastery. But, but it's awesome to see how they seek the Lord in all things. And they want to do what's right. You know, in John eleven twenty five and 26, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe. Whether we die physically or taken through the rapture, true believers will never die spiritually and eternally live. We are believers. We as believers are under, understand that Jesus shows us the way. He has sent his Holy Spirit to guide us. Each and every one of you gets prompted when you know you're doing something wrong. It's called your conscience. I call it the Holy Spirit. He is telling you this was wrong. Man, you should have done it this way. Or, or it could be my wife telling me that, but I don't know. And we, we know that, that through all of these things, we know that Christ loves us so much that he gave his life for us. Because he wants us to have that resurrected life through him. Uh, we, need, we need to truly understand who we are in Christ and why we are in Christ. Because in that, we will understand how things are to be done right. It's about being obedient. John 14, 6. This is the biggie. Well, there's actually two of them. 14, 6 says, And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if anyone says that I can go to heaven because I'm a good person or because I do good things or because I help people or because of whatever reason, that doesn't work. We need to be in submission to who Jesus Christ is in our life. And that's really what it's all about. It's about being in submission. I remember that when in 2005, when, or in 2004 actually, when God called Karen and I to be in the mission field, it was in November of 2004. I was on a mission. We were on a mission trip to Tijuana. And the Lord spoke to me and says, you got to go. The pastor said, I've been looking for three years for someone to come and help us. And the Lord just broke my heart and said, you got to go. But I fought with the Lord for three months, two months. It wasn't until January that I told wife, my wife that we needed to go to Mexico. 
And the awesome thing about my wife is she said, if you're following Jesus, I'm following you. And we became missionaries. They said it would take us two years to become a missionary. In six months, we were on the mission field. He sold houses. He bought things. He got us a 15-passenger van. He just did all miraculous things in six months. And we were on the field. And it's interesting because we had to go through Tijuana to be broken. Tijuana was a hard place for us because we had to be obedient to him. And again, Tijuana was very tough on us because as an American, as I was telling someone today, you know, we need to, oh yeah, I was telling, telling Nancy, I was saying, you know, you can be 15 minutes late and it's okay because, you know, I'm from Mexico. And, and she goes, no, 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 not here. Yeah, well, and, and me, I was driving up and I'm, hey, you got to get in the car, let's go. No, 20 minutes later, they're just getting out of the shower. You know, God had to break me of my, my culture. In the United States, we are time-driven. In Mexico, they're event-driven. If you show up, you've done your task. You can be one hour, two hours late. You don't know how many birthday parties I set up or how many, how many weddings I helped set up. Because I got there on time. Starts at 5. We're there at 5. Where is everybody? Well, you know, help us put up the tables and we do that. But the neat thing is, is God, we were obedient. Our, uh, our mascot in Mexico is Gumby. I don't know if you know who Gumby is, but he's pliable, he's clay, he can do all these things. I call it Flexico. We don't live in Mexico, we live in Flexico. Because we need to be flexible and we need to be obedient to what God wants us to do. And it's not about me or it's not about Karen. It's about what he wants. And that's truly what it is because he is the way, the truth, and the light. This is a big statement for me because it's not about what I do. So all he asked me to do is to be available. That's all he asks you. That's all he's going to ask of you. Be available. Because he's going to call you to do something. And you're going to say, like I did for two months, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Mexico. Like I said, we fought. I, the Lord and I fought for a good two months. But it was a horrible two months. Because I was fighting like Jacob all night long and I finally gave in luckily he didn't put my hip up that's nice so let's go to the next one is John 15 1a and this is what I was going to teach on until Sean said no you can't teach on that but it says one I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser I am the true vine he is the one that gives us the strength the ability to do things. Uh, one of the things that, are, are, that I, I truly love is that God has blessed both Karen and I and what we're doing and how we're doing it. And it's him blessing us. It's not what we're doing. It's him blessing us and allowing us to work through what he wants. Because he, you can't grow without the vine. You can't be a branch off the vine. Because if you're not attached to the vine, you're just going to curl up and they're just going to burn you up in the end. 
And it's truly about being fruitful. And what does fruitful look like? It's just being available. It's just allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you. So when that homeless person has bugged you for the 19th time as you've been walking around the store or wherever, you know, maybe buy him a sandwich. Maybe do something that the Lord wants you to do. Because it's not about what he does with it. It's about what you're doing with it and where your heart is. That's really what it matters, is your heart. You have to have the right heart. And sometimes I don't have the right heart. And that's sad. Because in the end, I go and look back and the Holy Spirit prompts me and says, you know, your heart wasn't right. Um, so we need to abide in him. Those are the seven I am statements. Okay? But in those seven I am statements, he says he's revealing a way to eternal salvation. In Acts 4.12, Or 12, it states, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Do we understand who Jesus is and what he came for to do, do for us? Are we truly walking in the Spirit? So how do we do this? I mean, it's really easy for me to point all these things, but I want to give you some practical application. For The way I teach is I teach out of the Bible, but I always try to give practical application so that you can walk away and have something that I can do this. You know, the biggest thing is to have that daily devotion. And if you don't have a daily devotion, think about it. Figure out what to do and how to do it. Because a lot of times we'll get up and we'll just run out the door and go to our regular routine. But you know, Jesus is just waiting right there. He's always available. That's the neat thing is he's never, you're never going to see or hear Jesus going, wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. He's going to hear you anytime, anywhere, anything that you need. He's there to hear. But you have to spend that time. Now, I'm not talking about picking up the Bible and reading a, a, a chapter or reading a verse and then praying your prayer of, I got to pray for this guy and I got to pray for that. That's intercessory prayer, which is, is valid and we should be praying for other people. But your devotion should be, Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to hear today? And as you read the Bible, asking him to put it in, what do you want me to understand from this? Because he'll, he'll say things and it's like, wait a second, where'd that come from? And then I'll have to go and research and look it up and see exactly what it means of what he's saying. Because that's truly a devotion time because then you can practically apply it to yourself. So you need to spend time with him and also listen. The biggest problem that I have in my prayer life and I have in life, my wife tells me this often, you never shut up, do you? You're always talking, aren't you? Well, God wants you to sometimes to just shut up and listen. And that's what really what we need to do is we need to listen with our heart. So there's four things that I think you can do with the time of devotion. 
So the first thing is, sit down and be still. Just get the, all of that stuff out of your mind. Now me, my mind wanders a lot. I mean, it's like, you know, you ever see that movie where the dog always turns and goes, squirrel! <laughs> That's me. I'm the squirrel guy, you know? Squirrel! You know, but God wants to get my attention. So I need to get all that stuff out of my head. I need to just be quiet. But more importantly, you have to find a place to be quiet in. Because there's too many distractions in life today. I mean, go someplace without your phone. Because all of a sudden I'll be in my prayer time and then I hear, bing, man, what was that? And I got to look at it. So I leave the phone in another room. I don't know about you guys, but I wake up and I always get a song in my head. You know, and preferably it's not Hotel California or something like that. But it's a religious song. Singing about Jesus. And, you know, just sing over and over. So that's number two. Sing a praise song or get something to listen to. And if you're not a singer, read one of the Psalms. Those were songs in the Old, Old Testament. That's what they would sing was a song. But you truly want to get into a posture of listening to God and having God speak to you. That's number two. Sing or read about, read some psalms. Get in the posture of being with the God. Then open your Bible and ask the Lord to speak to you or through his word, wherever you're at. If you have a, 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 a way of reading the Bible or you have... You know, the Bible in a year and all that stuff. Those are all great. But if you start it with, okay, I'm going to read these verses. Speak to me. Teach me. Help me to understand what you're saying. And it's not just, well, I read it. I can close my Bible and say, okay, I'm ready to go. No. Listen. Have the Lord speak to you through the Scripture. He will speak to you. He'll go, he'll go what, what was that you said? I got to be nice to who? My enemies? Oh my goodness. I hate that guy. You got to love them. Love those that don't like you. You know, uh, there was a person at the school that I never got along with. And finally, it wasn't until my wife and I said, you know, we just got to love him and love him. So everything we did was out of love. And things started to change. He didn't change. I changed. My heart changed. My ability to do things with that person changed. And that's really what the Lord spoke to me through that, is in the prayer time. Love your enemies. So open the Bible and ask the Lord to speak to me. And you need to truly read his word and then sit back and be silent. Okay? And if that weird thing from something like, oh, I got to do that, get a piece of paper, write that down, and then get it out of your mind. You'll deal with it later. Because that's, that's really where God wants to speak to you. And maybe that thing that came to your mind that was important to write down was what he was telling you to take care of. It's, it's really important that you, you understand that. So then lastly, pray. And again, it's not intercessory prayer. It is prayer for guidance, whatever you may have. It's a personal prayer to God. 
asking him to speak to you. What do you want me to do today? Where are you going to have that divine appointment? You know, when you start asking for divine appointments, they happen. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, I can present the gospel to this person. I could show love to this person. I can, I can do what God wants me to do. Because you've opened your heart to be truly transparent and understanding of what he has. It should be personal to yourself. And then at the end, after all of that, and when you, you feel that you've had spent the time with the Lord and he's spoken to you, and he may not speak to you that day, but at least you've been open to him. Then you can go into an intercessory prayer and pray for those needs of the people around you. Pray for the government. Pray for whatever things that the Lord has put on your heart. Then you go into an intercessory prayer. This is a good devotion time. This is a way to get into, a way to get it so that you're truly seeking what God wants. I, I, I really encourage you to have that time. And it doesn't have to be in the morning. I got to get up at four in the morning to do this. No, just carve out some time. Get some time together. I like the morning because I'm a morning person. Some of you are not morning people, you know, but maybe at late at night. You can get away when the kids are all in bed, everything's all taken care of. You can get alone with him and you can say, okay, Lord, my time is yours. And you can reflect upon the day and share with him the day that you had, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. But that's truly what the Lord has spoken to me with the I am statements. Because he is Jesus, he is God, and he gave his life for us. You know, maybe somebody's here struggling, and maybe they, they don't have that devotion time. I want to pray for you guys. Any of you that, maybe there's someone here that doesn't even know Jesus Christ, doesn't have that personal relationship. I want to pray for you guys. Because that's truly what you need, is you need a relationship. If you want to know what this world needs, they need Jesus. I mean, we are in, we're in a hurt locker, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's, it's a way that we should pray for him. So let me pray for you guys. Pray for each and every one of you that he would open your hearts and open your minds to what he wants you to do. Who knows what that may be? And maybe coming to Mexico or maybe going next door. You never know. But he will speak to you. He will put it on your heart to do those things. So let me pray. And Father God, I do lift up Calvary Chapel of the Sierra. I ask you, Lord, to be in the midst of it. Help the people that are here and those that hear this message that they truly would have a, uh, a personal relationship with you, a time of fellowship, a time of worship, a time of being close to you. And Father God, if there is anyone here that is struggling and maybe doesn't know what to do or how to do it, you'd uh, just speak to their heart and speak to their mind. And if they don't know you, Jesus, that you would open their hearts and uh, have them come forward and say, I need you. I need a relationship with you, Jesus, and spend that time with him. For Father God, you are our God.
Jesus, you are the one and only way. You are the truth and the life. And I just pray, Father God, that uh, you would be with us for the rest of our lives, whether it be today, tomorrow, or years from now, that you would just continue to grow us and bless us. And I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer uh, at all this morning, um, I encourage you to come up to the front um, after we're done um, closing. There'll be, um, it looks like Sean and Jim to, and, and Gus to pray for for you. So please, um, please take advantage of that. But let's stand and we'll close with the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. sent. Thank you.